so I was doing some recording in northern Michigan over Fourth of July while I was um, visiting my parents' lake house. It was kind of interesting to to do the on the road the on the road thing. I learned a new I, I tried a new app for podcasting. It's called Ring called oh, yeah? Ringer. Have you ever heard of Ringer? I have not. Okay, so it's it's one of these record through the browser setups, which you can't do in Safari because it doesn't support whatever the uh, uh, whatever the HTML5 hooks are for recording audio, but you but yep. you can do it in you can do it in Chrome, and the the downside is that if some it, they have both a browser you know web browser app, and they've got an iOS app, and I, I think they have an Android app too. And on the iOS one, if someone doesn't put on Do Not Disturb and also toggle the the Don't Let Phone Calls Through DND. Then it ends the call, it ends the recording the second a phone call comes in. Yeah, which yeah, that sounds about right for iOS. Right, right, because you know, iOS is just obvious. I mean, people have talked about it forever. It's terrible with audio, and that's not getting fixed in iOS thirteen. And so we did two interviews for Dialogue, me and Federico, and. But, and between two interviews, we got the call dropped three times. And it does an okay job recovering um, in that it, as long as the person doesn't do anything stupid on the other end, right? Because what it has to do, it has to upload the file. Like the, the worst thing you could possibly do is close your tab. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Because there's some, there, it, it's cached somewhere locally, and there is like a. Su- there is a way to go in and find the cached MP3 or whatever's been recorded, but but as long as someone doesn't freak out when the call hangs up and close the tab, it's fine because that that chunk gets uploaded. The call you reconnect the call and you pick up where you left off, but it's not ideal, especially when you're dealing with people who are not particularly technical always. Um, so I won't be using them again since it, you know, I, I looked at it. I was like, well, this looks like a really good solution. And I tried it, but it's expensive. It's like one hundred ninety dollars a year. Oh wow! So, yeah, that is expensive. Yeah, and it'd be totally worth it if we were if if it was rock solid and it made it, it did make my life easier in that like I I was the one starting the call right like like as soon as I everybody everybody all I had to do was give people a link all they had to do is click a link and they were dropped into the call which is super great and then I could press record and it was recording everybody with individual tracks. So it was really, it's really nice that way. I I can see that everything's mm. recording and I have total control, but it's not, it's just too flaky um, to be worth doing. So that's my, that was my technical experiment. And then I thought, well, next I'll use Zoom. I'll try Zoom. Then, you know, you, oh, probably, that's, wow. you probably heard what happened with Zoom <laughs> the last couple of days. They're running, they're running without telling users a, a web server on your Mac. Even after you, you delete the app, there's still a web server running in the background oh, yeah. that can be exploited from the outside, which is just bananas to me. That And then, of course, they defended it as well. We were just trying to make it easier for people. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. That you know, That's an awfully big stick to use to get rid of one dialog box you have to click through uh, clicking buttons is too hard yes instead we'll instead we'll include a web server so people can hijack your camera and, and uh on your mac it's pretty that's pretty crazy but i guess they've they've since backed down and they're going to take out the web server and may have already done so in, with an update already but uh i don't know i'm not like i'm not 
at a point now where I feel like I could ask somebody at the moment to use Zoom for something. <laughs> I have used it myself, and I haven't gone to look. I'm sure my MacBook Pro has the web server on it. Um, yeah, pro- I mean, if you ask me to do it, I'd say no. I don't, no, I'm not using that. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> you know, I know they've reversed the decision, but I... I, you know, How do you I'm, trust a company? You know, I'm a developer. I build software. I get it, but that is that's like one step too far. Yeah. How do you trust a company like that? If that if if their logic led them down the path of well, this is totally okay. I mean, that, it's because yeah, it's, it's just not. It's not great. It's not okay at all. Uh, it's it's opening a, a gaping hole in in order to create a very small convenience for users, which I think is ridiculous. But you know, it is what it is. I if if you think of any if you have any if you think of any solutions for this sort of remote recording through web browsers and stuff, let me know. I know there are some other solutions out there. As far as I can tell, none of them are great, um, and it's become. It has never been a problem for us recording with guests in the past because we've always done developers and other technical people who understand for the most part how to do that sort of thing and a lot of them have the equipment because they've done podcasting and stuff before but we're starting to have do interviews with people who you know i mean their best microphone is their are there is on their uh their ear pods right and you, yeah. and you can't really ask someone to buy a microphone to do an interview you know you're already asking someone to give up their time you, you know you can't really ask someone to go out and buy a microphone even if it's not a super expensive one um yeah and then also go and buy a license for audio hijack um you know work out all of that works right and so you know there are some ways to do it i mean i think QuickTime is a good solution if this person is on a mac but we have talked to people who are on windows too uh, i'm a lot less familiar with windows these days although I mean, I I understand you can record. It has a similar similar functionality to QuickTime, and you can ship people microphones. I've considered doing that, but that's that's technical. That's um, that's difficult, especially if people are located in other countries. Like it's like I could get someone a microphone in the United States within a few days, no matter what. But then, what if they're in Europe? Then do I have to have se- separate set of microphones that Federico ships out? You know, it gets complicated fast. And then they've got to ship it back, which I feel like is even more inconvenient than yeah. you know, getting them to work out how to do a recording in the first place. Right, right, um, right. Yeah, it's it's a whole lot of hassle, I think. Yeah, I'm not handing out microphones like candy. You would have to get they they would have to give them back because <laughs> I'd probably send <laughs> a good microphone, not a great microphone. I'd probably send one of those ones that like uh, I uh, what is it uh, Audio Technica. The uh, there's an Audio Technica mic that's very much like some of the good microphones that. Uh, a lot of podcasters use it. It's only like I forget what it is. It's maybe seventy or eighty dollars, but it's and it, mm. and it doesn't have a long shelf life. I don't think. I think it, they they're not super durable, but they are pretty close to the quality of like a three hundred dollar mic. All right, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm still that's my still tr- rocking the the blue yeti that I bought when we started this show. <laughs> well, I've got so I do have one of these these. Audio Technica mics, and it's pretty good. That's my travel mic. So that's what I did when I was in Northern Michigan. I sat up on a little table in a be- in a bedroom with my MacBook Pro, and you know, I mean, because I had my MacBook Pro, even though we had these dropouts, I was able to record both the audio coming straight out of out of Chrome using Audio Hijack, but I also was relying on what was you know what was being uploaded via the web to this company ringer's website so 
anyway, that's my little inside look at the travails of trying to interview people on podcasts. Yeah, so I mean, well, talking of shipping things around. Yes, tell me about your shipping woes. And I, I did tweet about this, but what is going on with Amazon? Oh. Like, there's all this weird stuff now, like Prime used to mean, back in the good old days of a year ago, um, it used to mean next day delivery. Amazon, we're our Amazon, we're going to ship this thing to you. The last couple of weeks, I've hit a thing where it's marked as Prime, but it's sent by a completely third-party seller. Like, Amazon have nothing to do with the delivery at all. Well, third-party seller or third-party delivery company? Which one are you talking about? It's a third-party seller, but it is marked as Prime. This is like a whole... I couldn't work out what on earth was going on. So, I ordered something, and... The, the shop that sold it, the online retailer that sold it on Amazon, they were the ones who shipped it, and it was shipped via Royal Mail. Right. So Amazon never had anything to do with the delivery of this item at all. Hmm. That, and this has happened twice now, and both of them have got lost. That's interesting. I don't know that I've come across that in particular, where it was a third-party seller marked as Prime. I mean... If it sometimes it's you know I don't know if they have this in the UK too the fulfilled by Amazon where it's third party goods but I think they sit in an Amazon warehouse right yeah we do have that and this is what I was I assumed both of these items were yeah was just fulfilled by Amazon but they're being fulfilled by the third party seller themselves but marked as Prime yeah that's um, th- and it's a whole thing yeah that seems different because I'm pretty sure that at least when I've done things fulfilled by Amazon. They actually were delivered to me by Amazon from an Amazon warehouse that was that was warehousing third-party goods, um, whatever that relationship is that Amazon does for that stuff. Um, things have been in flux in the U.S. too, I know. So for us, Amp Prime originally was second-day delivery. It wasn't one-day delivery. And that's been changing because... Now that Amazon is paying sales tax in mo- in all states, I think now in the United States, <clears throat> at least all states where sales taxes is a thing, they are they've been building out warehouses like crazy, and so I can get next day for an awful lot of stuff now because there are warehouses, I think just across the border in Wisconsin to the north of us, and so things have been coming faster. Like yesterday, for instance, I ordered two things. I ordered a uh, PS4 DualShock controller, a crystal one, so you can see the innards. It's pretty cool. It's, oh, yeah, that's the best. Yeah, it's like it's like the old iMac. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so cool. I got to get this. But and that was same day delivery with for no charge. Oh wow, that's really good. Yeah, so certain things like that that are hot, popular, they tend to be smaller items, popular items, that kind of thing. Um, it's pretty rare still. But that, and then I also ordered an eight, I think it's eight DO controller, which is like an N64 wireless controller, Bluetooth. Oh, yeah. And that was next day. So I ordered both of these, I guess, maybe at like nine or 10 in the morning. And the first one, the, the PlayStation controller, showed up by like three or four in the afternoon. And this other one, I'm still waiting for it. Usually our UPS guy doesn't show until after dinner sometime. But. Uh, that's just to give you an idea of kind of the, the the timing of deliveries these days from Amazon. 
but the other thing that's changed a lot over time is that it used to be that Amazon was strictly delivered by UPS, and that has changed a ton. I mean, now sometimes the U.S. Postal Service delivers stuff, especially on like Sundays. Sometimes I think they must have a subcontract with the because you know we don't oh, wow. we don't get mail on Sunday from the Postal Service, but apparently uh, there's some kind of contract with the government for Amazon, and sometimes those Sunday deliveries will come from the U.S. Postal Service. Now, yeah, it's funny you say yeah. that because Royal Mail, exactly the same in the U.K., we don't get Sunday deliveries with Royal Mail, you know, for normal post. Right. But they do do Sunday deliveries for Amazon. And, um, so I, I would imagine, you know, their business model is probably very similar, although Royal Mail is a private company. Okay. Um, I would imagine their business model is very, very similar. Right. Um, you know, so they've had to do these contracts with places like Amazon to sort of make their money back from people. You know, I'm not sending letters to people anymore. Um, you know, I'm not writing, dearest John, I hope you're well. You know, <laughs> right. Send that, send that across the ocean. <laughs> right. Well, and, and for a while, FedEx was also delivering some of the Amazon stuff. And, and, and the problem was, was that with this kind of weird hodgepodge of different companies delivering, the it, it got very inconsistent in terms of when does it come, whether it came at all, whether it, you know, I've, I've actually, and now that I, I signed up for UPS has like a, you can sign up and log into your UPS account and you can track, you know, it's just like you've done. I've seen you do on Twitter before where you can see the truck driving around your neighborhood because it has GPS in it and you can watch the person. And oh, it's, that's my favorite. <laughs> it's, it's a great way to procrastinate. It drives me bananas, though, because I see like the truck two blocks from my house and then the guy goes down to, you know, like the da- downtown area of my town and and sits down there all day delivering all the businesses and having lunch and doesn't get back around to my house until like six or seven at night. But <laughs> but uh yeah, you can you can kind of tr- you know there. I've seen cir- circumstances where I've had two things on a truck, and they only dropped one on the truck, and then they just drove back to the UPS depot and delivered the second thing the other the next day, which is also super frustrating. And now we actually have Amazon delivery trucks themselves, so we actually have Amazon owns its own trucks and has its own fleet of drivers now. Uh, yeah, they've started doing that in the UK as well. Um, Although I think it's done slightly differently. I think the delivery drivers are contractors, and they're, it's their own vans. It's not Amazon's vans. No, we had that for um, a while. But That's it, super creepy because you see the white panel van pulls up in front of your house, and it looks like oh yeah, right. It looks like they're gonna they're gonna hit somebody over the head, throw them in the back, and drive them off. Um, but that seems to have changed around here. Now they actually have blue vans that say Prime on them. And have a logo, and the it looks a little more professional now. And I'd say more than half of our deliveries now are coming from Amazon drivers. Yeah, it's um, I mean, I don't think we need to go on too much about our first world problems of deliveries. <laughs> I have um, much experience with this. I have everything delivered by Amazon now, and I sit at home all day so I can kind of track and and observe Amazon's patterns as the day goes on so oh absolutely i mean what what's the alternative to go to a physical store i'm, I'm not doing that <laughs> no it's <that's> ridiculous <laughs> no 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 it takes too much time there are people involved yes all right we should move on and we should talk about the the ios and ipad os betas because i guess you tr- you've got a beta going huh oh yeah 
Oh yeah, we're you know it's I, I went for it because because it's my iPad. Let's be let's be honest. I don't use my iPad enough. Yeah. Um, to sort of warrant worrying about installing the public beta on it. Which one do you um, have again? A nine point seven inch one? No, the the ten point five. Oh, this okay. Year's one. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I to be honest, mostly because we've been using it to watch TV and with the TV app in bed. Sure. And I wanted dark mode because it's really bright. Oh, yeah. The, the, the iOS 12 one is really bright. So I was like, no, do you know what? I'm just going to install it and see what happens. How's it going so far? Um, Yeah, it's going all right. I mean, obviously part of the problem, and this is a lot of what Federico said and, and other people have said on podcasts, like I don't really want to get into the reminders and note stuff because um, I don't want to mess up. <laughs> The rest of my data that's on my computer, on my Mac, and on my iPhone. Um, so really, I mean, mostly it's like the home screen with the widgets there and dark mode, uh, and plus Safari being a decent actual browser that doesn't right. have mobile websites everywhere anymore is right. really really useful. Yeah, that is that is nice. I mean, it is interesting because you know I, I think one of the biggest dangers now is iCloud and propagating bad data to devices that aren't even on iOS 13 and you can turn off iCloud syncing but then as you know people have noted I know what what's the what's the point what do you you know you're going to cripple your device to the extent where well okay sure you have the beta but you don't have any of your data on it how's that gonna (laughs) how's that gonna work for you you know that's that's definitely a problem and I I've been I'm very tempted I've you know look I I write about this stuff and I I've been very careful about putting this on. I have the iPad OS beta on my iPad mini, not on the iPad Pro that I use for writing. And I have iOS 13 on an iPod Touch that I bought specifically for that. Now, I did turn on iCloud syncing eventually for reminders and notes, but I've been very careful not to really do a lot with those, at least on the iOS 13 end of the of that, you know, network to to try to avoid doing anything strange i have noticed i've also got i guess catalina on on an external drive for my that i use with my macbook pro i don't have it on my main machine so i've got those things but i'm super tempted to put it on my iphone for a couple of reasons one is i really want to try i i have to try soon carplay because i'm writing about that later this summer and I have you you know CarPlay is only on iPhones it's not on iPod touches because there's no GPS or anything on a touch and I also have I bought a bunch of NFC stickers on Amazon last week and I really want to do some shortcuts that are triggered by you know the NFC uh, stickers and reading the NFC tags and you can't do those except for on iPhone 2 which has the NFC reading so there are a couple of reasons I want to do it but I'm about to go on a trip and I hate to do it, you know. I'm I'm sitting here thinking, well, I'm going to be on a trip, but I'm going to have you know two members of my family with me. If my phone doesn't really work, we can use theirs, and you know, it's that kind of rationalization. I'm getting very close. I'm thinking I'm going to wait until next. I'm hoping that another beta. We get one more beta down the road before I leave next week for my trip. So, 
Oh, nice. Yeah, I did. I see you with the, you mentioned the NFC sticker things. Am I right in thinking Amiibo will do the same yes, thing? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Guy Rambo had a little video on Twitter yesterday where he demonstrated that. And so, yeah, I've got my Pikachu right here, and my Pikachu is going to do some sort of cool, super secret thing. I'm sure I'm going to come up with something good for that. Uh, but I've, yeah, I've got you know I've got several Amiibo that I can use, and uh, I, th- yeah, I'm not- I think that'd be a really fun way to set off shortcuts. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm legitimately interested in the, the NFC sticker thing, though, because I'm imagining, like, you know, what if I had one on my desk where I put my phone at work or on the bedside cabinet when I put it down to charge? Right. And I could trigger, you know, I'm thinking, like, when I go to bed and I put it on the side, you know, set my alarms for the morning, <coughs> put Do Not Disturb on, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So I could see that being really, really useful, but, you know... I. We've got a few months. I might play around with it on the iPad, but you know, like I say, I mostly just wanted dark mode. Right. The um, you know, the NFC stickers too. What's interesting about it is, first of all, NFC stickers are really cheap. I I bought fifty of them for like seventeen or eighteen dollars, I think, on Amazon. And uh, the way shortcuts works is all it's doing is um reading the unique identifier for the tag it doesn't have to actually encode the tag the nfc tag in any way it just reads the identifier and that that you know that name of the tag basically is what sets off the shortcut so it's super they're super easy to set up and use yeah i'm just looking on amazon now and as you say they're they're really cheap so i might pick some up as well and Oh, do I want to put it on my phone? Maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> for, maybe I will. For me, the, with the with the stickers, the question was, well, if they're this cheap, maybe I should just get a hundred. That I thought, well, if I start sticking a hundred stickers on everything all around the house, I think my family will probably drive, you know, be unhappy with me. So I, I I stuck with fifty for now. Yeah, fifty is probably going to cover you, <laughs> given you so don't leave too. the house too much. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to show up everywhere. People will come over and they'll ask, "Why are there stickers on everything you own?" And that all it'll be because because of shortcuts, of course. Of course, you know. Of course, why else would you have them? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, all right, we have one more big topic that we ought to cover because there was a big announcement this morning, which was the Switch Lite. Yeah, this is. So it's $200, it's slightly smaller, um, the Joy-Cons don't come off, um, it has a D-pad on the left Joy-Con, I guess, which apparently people care about, I don't know why, I guess for platformers and stuff. Yeah. Um, yes, it's good for the retro games. Yeah, and this is coming September 20th, I think? Yes, probably the same week as new iPhones, which is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, well that makes it slot, well, I won't buy one, um... But, you know, yeah, it's going to kind of make it interesting, certainly for a few people, because they're going to need to decide between getting this or getting an iPhone. Yeah, so you're not going to get one, huh? I never play my Switch. Undocked. Really? Oh, it's undocked. Always okay. docked. I thought you were going to say you never play your Switch. You never play it undocked. All right, that I get that. I look at this and I think this is a great second Switch, second household Switch, because my son has finally discovered how much fun Super Smash is and is using some Elgato dongle to record Super Smash videos and is making montage videos of Super Smash, which has monopolized my Switch, and I haven't seen much of it in the last month. So I'm thinking this would be good for me to have as kind of my backup Switch. I like the yellow one a lot, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that's, that seems fine. Now, um, it, it is. you're right, yeah, the screen's a little smaller. Yep. 
Uh, it's a little thinner, a little. It, it's let. It's it's like I read that it's about one Joy-Con width narrower in that, you know, you squish it in a little bit because there's not they're not detachable, obviously, so they're able to save some space there. It it does not have auto dimming for brightness, but it does have a brightness wheel or some some sort of manual way to set the brightness because originally it was reported that it had no way to change the brightness which struck me as insane since it's the kind of thing you'd use outdoors but i guess it's just not there's not a sensor it it, it does it manually sure i mean you know that seems fine they're trying to um you know make it a little bit cheaper and you know i think that price point seems pretty reasonable to me um yeah i think it's a good know, pretty good deal i think and uh, you know, I think let, let's be honest. There are a lot of people who are kidding themselves, and have been since the Switch come out. But this is it. The 3DS is dead. You know, the, no more 3DS. There wasn't any games at E3 for the 3DS. There's no way the 3DS is going to carry on much longer. No, it won't. I mean, they did say today that they are continuing to sell the 3DS, but you're right. They haven't announced a game in a direct since I don't know early this year. I think it was. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to see much more of the 3DS. Um, I think two hundred dollars is a good price, especially when you consider it compared to 3DSs of the past when they came out, which I think, especially the big ones, were like what one hundred and sixty, one hundred and seventy, maybe. Yeah, something. I mean, I've seen them. Yeah, hit nearly two hundred. I think even you know re- in the in the last couple of years. So yeah, you know, two hundred seems pretty reasonable. Um, and I think this is a good product because I do hear from a lot of people that they only ever play their Switch undocked, like in handheld mode. Right. Um, again, that's not me, but I know a lot of people do do that. So I can kind of see that, you know, for an extra $100, if you don't care about the dock or playing it on a TV, then yeah, I mean, you know, this it looks really nice as well. Right. I totally want one. I think I've got no need for it, but I want one. The uh, with the smaller screen, but the same resolution. I think from what I gather, reading the CNET article that we can link, that it looks a l- everything looks a little sharper, which makes sense since it's just the same resolution with smaller pixels. Um, and it doesn't have rumble. I guess that's another thing worth mentioning. It doesn't have IR, IR camera support. And because the Joy Cons are part of the body of it and attached. There, it only supports handheld mode. So if you have a game, I think like uh, I think it's one two switch and a couple of other ones where you can't really play those games unless you already own separate Joy Cons. In which case, you'd have to kind of prop the thing up somehow and and then use the separate Joy Cons to play one of those games because this thing doesn't have a kickstand either. Yeah, that's that's actually that's interesting. I hadn't really thought of that because. As you say, there's games that sort of require the Joy-Cons to be separate. Mario Party is one. Yes, um, yes, that's another know, you, one. You need that. And what also occurs to me, and I complained about this when I played Super Mario Odyssey, but and it's not just that game. There are a bunch of games where the motion controls like of an individual Joy-Con can be really helpful. Like, I would never have finished Super Mario Odyssey if I couldn't have used the individual Joy-Cons for specific parts. So you know, because Nintendo like to throw motion controls in when nobody's asking for it, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, 
I guess that you know there there is a bit of a trade off there. Yeah, um, I think because... it's I think it's kind of too bad that there's no Rumble too, just because. I mean, I understand that they probably couldn't do it the same way they did Rumble with the detachable Joy Cons. On the other hand, that's a pretty big part of some games. I know it's a, kind of a big deal in Super Mario Odyssey, for instance. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I I feel like a lot of this has got to have been pushed by pokemon coming out as well yeah they're doing because yeah they're doing a special one in november with uh pokemon kind of etched on the back but it doesn't come with the oh, okay. it doesn't come with the game oh yeah. <laughs> okay it's a limited edition uh. while supplies last <laughs> without the game so it's just uh a switch light with a with a special right. a special case yeah um yeah that's that's really strange um, i agree but i i think it kind of makes sense that they need Sort of a cheaper hand, or a cheaper Pokemon machine, basically, because obviously this, right. the Sword and Shield is like the first mainline Pokemon game that has not been on, you know, Nintendo's primary handheld, which up until today was still kind of the 3DS, right? Yeah, so it, I don't know. I I was pretty excited about the news overall. I think it's a, I think the compromises they made are probably the right set of compromises for something that's designed to be just portable and not be a tv console as well and you know knocking a third of the price off for that i think is a a pretty good deal all things considered and i am interested in maybe thinking of getting the the yellow one but i don't know we'll see i mean the reality is i don't play my (laughs) existing switch enough uh it's just fortunate that i have other people in my household who do too and so it could end up, if I buy one, it'll undoubtedly end up a little bit like some of my past 3DSs and things, which I use, but they sit for an awfully long time in between uses. Yeah, so is mine. I mean, you remember we talked when I bought the, the, the 2DS XL right. a few months back. Right, You know, I played it for like two weeks. It's been sat in the drawer since. I'll get back <laughs> to it. But, you know. <laughs> well, the good thing is it'll last forever. I mean, it's in good shape. The battery's not getting abused and... You know, you'll have it for a long time, even after they stop selling them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got a DS sat here within arm's reach, and I just flicked it on, and the battery's still at, like, 50%. Really? I mean, it must not have been... Yeah, this hasn't been touched for probably two or three years. Oh, wow. Like, it's fine. Um, So, I'm sure my 2DS XL will be fine as well. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, that seems like a pretty good place to wrap it up for for this, this episode, don't you think? Oh, absolutely! I'm, I'm going to write a letter to Nintendo to thank him, thank them for doing this right before we were recording. <laughs> I know. Usually, it's like right after we get off the phone, there's a direct or something, and then we have to uh, wait two weeks to do it. But uh, no, this is good because uh, that all broke this morning, pretty early U.S. time. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. Well, when I when I originally saw the article, I thought it was a leak. Like I thought somebody had found images somewhere, and it wasn't until I clicked through and they're like, "Oh no, we've interviewed whoever they interviewed." I was like, "Oh right, oh okay, this is an actual legit thing." Yeah, the first thing I so, saw was a YouTube video posted on Nintendo UK. It didn't even hit the US Nintendo YouTube channel for like another couple of hours. Huh? How weird. But you know, Nintendo are a strange company. Yeah, they do things differently. That's for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well. uh well, I guess we'll speak in a couple of weeks and, you know, maybe somebody else will release something for us to talk about. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Speak to you later. Okay, bye-bye.